Welcome to a fantastic fourth episode of Three Point Landing. We're here to talk about what? <laughs> you just wanted to use Fantastic Fourth. Oh, I didn't. I didn't even realize I did that. Oh, you knew what you were doing. No, I was not. Okay. I, I was not. I did not. Uh, Continue. No, nah, I have to start all over again. No. No. All right. Hey, gang. Welcome to Three Point Landing. I'm Matthew. This is. Sorry, again. <laughs> you have a Okay, go. You can say Fantastic Fourth. I know. I'm just trying to get through this. I'm just trying to get through this. I don't. I don't need to do the Fantastic Four button. All no, right. Want this is my third goal. Let's go. All right. Hey gang, welcome to Three Point Landing. Why am I so mealy mouthed today? I don't know, but the fourth one's going to be great. The fourth one's going to be great. All right. Um. Hi guys, welcome to Three Point Landing, your show for comic books, movies, and pop culture. Uh, I'm your host, Matthew, and with me... Misha, I'm here. <laughs> Why did we do this again? Why did we do this again? I'm so sorry. You want to do this? Huh? I'm ready to do it again for as many takes as it takes to get it right, but let's try with you to see if you get it right the first time, because you're so full of energy. <laughs> I'm full of something. Okay, fine, go. I know I can do it eventually, but you know, let's 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 let's. let's fine, let's... fine, fine. Okay, game. Welcome to the fantastic fourth episode of Three Point Landing. I'm Misha. I'm Matthew. We're here to talk about the streaming wars. Recently, Warner Media announced that they were going all in on the streaming wars by um, putting all of their might, as it were, behind HBO Max. They're hoping to compete against established names like Netflix, um, Amazon Prime, and um, a third thing, Disney Plus. Okay? Disney Plus, oh my God. The, okay, the, the, they're planning the 500 so, pound elephant. Right. So this is going to be the big four, as it were. Smaller players like Hulu. CBS All Access, all the other little players. I think that they're not exactly in the ring. But let's talk first about um, what this means for TV viewing at large. Because something that we've noticed um, over the past couple of years is that our viewing habits have changed by and large um, based on um, the fact that everything now is shifting to a streaming model. Streaming, VOD, whatever you want to call it. Basically, Netflix. I mean, mm. let's be honest about it. Netflix is the, the the company and the service that has really transformed and changed like the TV landscape mm -hmm. uh, at, such that when we talk about streaming, when we talk about video on demand, when we talk about all those services that are not cable or broadcast, the first word that comes to most people's minds is Netflix. Yeah, I mean, it's not Amazon Prime and chill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is an excellent point. I mean, I guess it could be, but it's not the same ring to it. But I think it's kind of incredible just um, as a sign of how far we've come. I mean, Netflix itself started out as a DVD rental company, for heaven's sake. Yeah, like, uh, so for those of you who are not familiar, <laughs> there was this thing called DVDs where they put movies onto little plastic discs. And we used to use Netflix exclusively to send them money and they would give us discs every month, you know, to to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was like the weirdest thing. I mean, it was like Blockbuster by mail order or something. Okay, but um, just to be for full disclosure, I, I, I still collect Blu-rays. 
I collect Blu-rays too, but mostly for Star Wars. Right. So, anyways, we're gonna um, let's talk about how our viewing habits <laughs> have changed. I mean, f- now it is not unusual for a streaming network to just drop an entire season of a show in a day, and for viewers to power through that like over the course of 48 hours, not even. They will binge the living daylights out of a show and then that's what they're talking about. <coughs> that's what they're talking about the next day at work. Um, do you remember what it was like to actually wait seven days to see the next episode of something that you were following? I mean, well, I don't mean to be, you know... Because uh, you're so- old. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm just stopping your spiel before you, 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 before you fancy your way out of it. No, you know, like, you know, not to be a, not to be a smart mouth about it. We still, we still have watched some shows on a weekly basis. You mm-hmm. know, HBO still, right. is still dropping those episodes of Watchmen every week. Right, right, Same right. with Westworld, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, all the other networks are still doing it. But no, you're absolutely right. Like uh, that is the way we we consume stuff, and I cannot remember a time anymore where I had to wait a whole week unless I was actually aggressively consuming something that was not available in that format. I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely adore that I can watch what I want, when I want, when it comes out. And even if I miss uh, what you said, but I miss um, HBO's weekly drops of their episodes, of the latest shows, I can go back and watch it at my leisure. It's something that you couldn't do, like, even like, uh, well, what, 15 years ago, 20 years ago? Yeah, you're right. Like, you, you missed, the thing is, you miss it even though we're showing even though weekly epi- television shows still exist the existence of, of of streaming means that if you miss an episode you're fine you're okay right. whereas before that <clears throat> it was like oh you missed this week's like sopranos you're screwed right. you're gonna have to wait uh six months later for it to drop on you know conventional dvd or wait for the rerun or reruns right, right. Reruns. and um it was even worse here in the philippines where you didn't always get reruns yeah right so and it was bad enough that you'd have to wait a year maybe even two years or even longer to catch shows from the states before they made it to our shores you'd you have no assurance that you'd be able to watch them again if you missed them when they aired yeah, I mean, you know, you could you could like maybe hope that you would rerun the episode, but that was sort of like you know that was sort of a fool's game. You were just sort of hoping against hope. There are no real guarantees. Mm-hmm. And something I liked about actually the the weekly <coughs> viewing experience, and something that we see a little bit now, courtesy of social media, is, um, but we'll get to that in a bit. What I liked about watching shows weekly was like, let's say you see something on a Sunday, right? Yeah. Come Monday morning at the office or in school. That's what everyone's talking about. Yeah, the the water cooler effect is what they call I like, it. I I love the water cooler effect. There's this whole seven day period by which a new episode gets processed by the public mm-hmm. and you know really talk about it and you know like sort of digest it. Yep. And now that the speed of output and the speed of consumption is faster, mm-hmm. uh, we still talk about television shows, yep. but. There are more hot takes. There's more. Um, I think one of the th- things that's really emerged over streaming is the whole live tweeting thing. Right, and where, don't, let's not forget spoiler culture, where people are just falling <laughs> over themselves to be the first to tell the world that they saw something. Yeah, I mean, I I don't get that. I mean, that's like, um, do you remember back in the days of 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 um, of doing comments like on websites, of articles, and videos? People would put first. <laughs> they would put first if they were the first to comment on an article at like three in the morning that was uploaded and they happen to be awake for that they would post first that's that to me is what spoiler culture is why do people get off on letting the world know that they saw something before everybody else and in, they don't want to stop there they want to ruin it for them they want to actively destroy that experience that they themselves had 
I think so. There's a that's a whole other discussion, a whole other episode altogether. But you know, at the very least, the whole spoiler culture is a testament to the hyper-accelerated rate that culture is consumed these days. Yeah, they don't even wait for the show to be done half the time. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we, we saw this with the way people uh, dealt with uh, Avengers Endgame and Avengers mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. The water cooler effect that you mentioned, um, because the people can watch shows now whenever they want. They don't have to wait for a certain time of week, a time of day. It's their time, but right? basically you have to yeah. wait until they're free, yep. not rather than make themselves available right. for a particular day or right. hour. Because you can watch these shows at your leisure on your schedule. Um, by and far, the water cooler effect is largely lost. But I think um, one of the major examples of recent um, um, water cooler, um, the water cooler effect that wasn't like a, a Miss Universe, for example, or an Oscar telecast where people were talking about the results the next day is Game of Thrones. That was the last and I think might be the last um, for the foreseeable future um, where people actually were in a rush to beat Spoil the spoilers, so mm. they made a point to watch it as early as humanly possible, as close to the airing time as they could, um, or immediately after, so that if they wanted to talk about it, they wouldn't be lost in the conversation. Yeah, and also so that they'd be caught up. That no matter what any idiots posted on social media, they wouldn't be spoiled. Yeah. And that that was great. That was a fantastic intersection of spoiler culture and the water cooler effect. And I don't know if we're going to see anything like that again. Because Game of Thrones started um, right when social media was taking off. Yeah, we're, we're talking about 20, 2009, 2010 is when the first season premiered. Yeah, I, I could be wrong. Maybe 2011. Something so, like that. I just remember where I was working. <laughs> but, you know, like… I think time will time will tell whether or not we will see that again. But uh, at the very least, what supports your statement is the fact that Game of Thrones as a show was really one of those shows that really unified mm-hmm. a large audience yeah. together. And while shows like Westworld, Succession, and uh, Watchmen, all HBO shows, just to sort of like bring the example home. Is HBO paying you? Because they're not paying me. Well, I I'm, I just want to illustrate. You're talking about an HBO show, so I okay. want to illustrate the point with a bunch of HBO shows. But so, would, would you tell me if HBO was paying you? I probably couldn't. Fine, be that way. <laughs> so those shows exist, and they're all going in a weekly schedule, just like Game of Thrones. Right. But they don't have the same like audience pull or right. unifying pull, you know, that Game of Thrones had. Uh, and maybe Watchmen might do that. Who knows? But it all, you know, we're also living in a world where. Eight years after Game of Thrones, there's just so much more TV. There's just so much more content. Mm -hmm. So achieving the kind of critical mass that Game of Thrones had, how do you do that when there's just much more content? Absolutely. And that brings up two things that... um, That brings up two more points. The first is there is so much content now. And it's being more... It's being created for more smaller and smaller audiences. Mm -hmm. There are more and more instances of niche programming or niche um, platforms that appeal to specific markets. I get that. That's fine. What I don't get is, or what I'm not entirely enthused by, what I'm not crazy about, is that each one of those platforms is something now that we have to pay for. It's mm. We are back where we started with the cable TV, where you can only afford a handful of channels 
and you hope that what you want to watch is going to be available on those channels. We're witnessing the, I think, am I using this term correctly? We're witnessing the balkanization of media once more. Oh, I see uh, what you did there. What's going on is that it used to be when Netflix was the only player and maybe Hulu. Right. Uh, you could at least say, all right, I missed a show. I'm going to watch it on one of these two services. It's going right. to be there. Right. They could be reliably counted on to to be the service that fulfill your need to watch mm-hmm. TV on an off schedule. Mm-hmm. This this arrangement worked out between media holders and 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 those companies for a very long time. Yeah. But now they're coming to their senses, so to speak, and realizing, oh wait, there's money. Are in we this. leaving money on the table? There we go. Everything's about money. Yeah. Are we leaving money on the table by not making this our own? And so now companies like Disney, Warner, and everybody else, they want to set up their own fiefdoms. They want to set up their own kingdoms of of content and say like, all right, well, all this precious property I have, you know, it's mine alone. It's it's ours alone. And, you know, you want want in on that, you've got to pay us a fee. And now we're seeing what, I think what you're alluding to is like this fear that we're going to start having to pay money to four different services if we want to watch it all. Think about it. You're spending how much? Five, six dollars. Seven dollars for your Netflix subscription. How many of those subscriptions could you feasibly maintain over the year? I Not, mean, I, seriously. I think for me, I, it will really just be the one service. I might, I might pay an additional fee to subscribe to a service like, say, Crunchyroll or Funimation for a bunch of anime. Right, right. But that's about it. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Okay, so here's the thing about that. For me, um, the fact that I have to pay for each one separately, that's a pain in the butt. Another Mm. thing that I really don't like about um, the entire streaming model is, um, and this was especially true on Netflix, was the things that you're watching today might not necessarily be there tomorrow Mm. because they only have the rights to these programs for a set amount of time, okay? Because Netflix doesn't own a lot of the programs that they had. That's why they've been pushing their original content lately because they're losing a lot of their non-original content because it's going back to the studios who don't want to license it out anymore. Yeah. Right? Like uh, all the Disney stuff that, that's on um, yeah, Netflix, like, like, like they'll right be now, gone in the next couple of years. Yeah, like uh, um, Black Panther, Star Wars, Last Jedi. Those are right. some of the things that are going to end up defaulting to Disney by the by next year. Right. And the thing about that is um, a lot of people, what I was saying earlier, they, 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 they think it's funny that I would still collect physical media like Blu-rays, like DVDs and all that. But for me, if I have it on my shelf, I know it's not going anywhere. Nobody can tell me tomorrow that I cannot watch that disc side note those also on blu-ray the picture quality is a little bit better than what you would get from streaming no it's incredibly better yeah yeah it's it's a whole lot better it's a whole lot more stable because you know you don't have to compress anything it it um but uh, at the end of the day i don't like somebody else determining what i can watch and when i can watch it because for me it goes against the whole idea of convenience yeah yeah and i think if that makes sense oh it makes 100 sense and you're talking okay you know i let's double down on that convenience here's the thing okay let's say let us say we can let us concede the idea that we're all going to pay 35 dollars or 40 dollars that much money just to subscribe to all these services i think the biggest inconvenience to go back to your point there is now what's going to happen oops what's going to happen is you want to watch a movie yeah and you're going to reach for your remote or your controller and you're going to fumble around and go like all right so i'm going to watch this show is it on netflix is it on hulu is it like <laughs> like like yeah. we're, like i don't know how i only have netflix and i get frustrated when i turn on the controller and I turn on the playstation and look for a show and go like oh it's not here because it's with someone else right, right. 
right? So, my God, like the idea of having to log out of the Netflix app and then into the Hulu app or mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. CB, like, oh my God, that sounds like a nightmare situation. I mean, fine. I mean, it sounds like rich people problems at this point. <laughs> but, no, but I, I get what you're saying. I mean, like... Well, that's um, inconvenience, I you, guess. You, Whereas on Netflix, you never had to think about which studio owned what. Now you have to be aware. Who owns Friends? Who owns The Office? Who did they rent out those shows to? Who owns Disney? I mean, who owns Star Wars? All those things are things that the viewer really should not have to take yeah, into account for, for, when they flip on their TV. Yeah, for nerds like us and for or those who work in the media, that's like second nature. Sure. But, you know, that is not a burden that should be imposed upon the average consumer. I thought you were going to say muggles. <laughs> but what? Anyways, but yeah, I mean, seriously, um, gone are the days where you just flip on the TV and then you just catch whatever the hell is on, right? Um, either it's by chance or because you plan to catch something at a specific time of the week. That's dead and gone, okay? Um, no matter what broadcast media is still desperately trying to convince us of their relevance. Never mind that. Um, these days, it's like it's like online shopping, okay? It's like online shopping. You go to the mall. You're going to browse. You're going to look around. You're going to try stuff on. You're going to pick things up, look at them, look at them in the light, take a picture with it, whatever. When you go online shopping, nine times out of ten, you're going onto a site looking for something specific. Because the whole browsing experience is entirely different when you're in a virtual space. I think the same applies for movies and shows. You go onto a streaming platform knowing exactly what you're going to be watching. Mm. I mean, fine, there's little little recommendations on the side. But um, by and large, you know what you're in the mood for. What you're looking for, yeah. And it's only people with an inordinate amount of idle time, or at least just don't know what to do, who sit down there and, you know, like idly flip around, just hoping for something to catch their eye. Right. Yeah. But But let's say you're in the mood for something. You want to watch this thing, and you're really in the mood for it. You turn on your Netflix and all that, and then boom. It's on Disney Plus, but you're not subscribed to it. So, you know, that kind of a divide, for me, it defeats the purpose of, you know, the internet in general, where it was supposed to, like, democratize everything. Um, What they're doing now is putting up barriers between us and their content in the name of convenience. But I think the only people who are actually getting any of that convenience is the studios themselves. Yeah, I mean, like, these... You know, let's be clear here. Like, these things that they're doing make capitalistic sense. Absolutely. I'm not saying they yeah. owe us anything. They do not. For yeah. the record, studios don't owe us a damn thing. We know. I know that they are hawking products. And yeah. I, I mean, I've given them way too much of my own money in pursuit of those products. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know why they're making it more complicated for exactly. us to get to those products. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think what I want to get to here is... Their studios are so afraid to share money with anybody else mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the sake, you know, even when those um, those decisions can maximize the amount of money, can maximize oh, yeah. convenience, that they are creating a problem that we shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, they believe everything should be vertically integrated when really they could just be benefiting from having Netflix or any company, you know, have all of their stuff and just be like, all right, guys. You know, we don't want to be the person who builds like all this architecture and infrastructure, and you know, just just give us our tax, right? And, right. You know, and 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 you can have everything. Like that would be an arrangement that would serve. Like, I'm not saying Netflix or Disney Plus or any company should have a monopoly, but definitely, 
it's that reluctance to share money with them that's causing the situation. I don't know what, uh, if this situation was the same for you, but growing up in the <coughs> late 80s, early 90s, um, cable TV was too expensive for us, honestly. Mm-hmm. It was just too expensive. And it wasn't until like 20 years later, like in the early 2000s, that it was finally, late 90s, early 2000s, where it was finally... Um, cost effective for mm-hmm. us to get these things and a cable a cable package and even then it was like you know it was bundled channels that's right yeah. right and that's what finally made it uh, more affordable to the masses as it were and even then there would be times when you would lose channels based on whoever your cable provider that's was, right. was yeah, um, yeah. paying licensing fees to um, like you know some years you'd have the NBA finals other years you wouldn't because depending on who the carrier was oh that was a thing I'm yeah, take my word for it. Wow, <laughs> take my word for it. I, 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 like, I, I'm like I'm genuinely in shock and disbelief. I mean, I'm not a sports fan, but it, it yeah, it, because it, sometimes it, it, it lose, amazes me. Sometimes right? you would lose channels, and that's something that a lot of people didn't understand about Netflix. They thought that that gravy train was gonna last forever, Mm-mm. and they would notice it sometimes. They're like, "Hey, that movie I saw last month, it's not there anymore." Or, "How come my cousin in the states can watch this movie, but I can't watch it here?" Mm-hmm. Right, so that also goes to regional distribution rights. Like sometimes a film is allowed to be screened in one country but not another, or it's allowed to be on this platform in this country but in another country it's rented out to another platform. Honestly, I don't need to be a smartass, but all this stuff this just sounds like reasons to give wor- lawyers wor- uh, work. Yeah, pretty much because it's, it's it's this complex sea of rights management and negotiations and regionalization. Yeah, that absolutely. I feel like when I try to think about what good would exist. To have to deal with all the hassles and the strings <laughs> and paperwork and whatever of saying, well, the Philippines gets two of these movies, but not all of them because right. the other rights right. belong to another company and blah, blah, blah. Like, remember, there's a Voltron situation where even though Vol- DreamWorks produces Voltron for Netflix, it cannot air in Philippine Netflix because the local uh, licensor of right. Voltron has the exclusive rights to it. So mm-hmm. it needs to be broadcast right. on a local broadcast channel or whatever, mm-hmm. like all that stuff. And I'm thinking, who benefits from this except a lawyer who needs something to do? <laughs> <laughs> or think about something like Star Trek Discovery. In the US, you can only access it on CBS All Access, their platform. But to the rest of the world... Where there's no CBS All Access. Outside of North America, it's exclusive to Netflix. Yeah. Right? Or something like Riverdale, where it's, I believe, on the CW or something. Yeah, in the, the CW and the CW app. Right. But everywhere else in the world, it's on Netflix. Mm -mm. So things like that. I mean, why would you put up barriers to your products? I mean, something similar in physical media that happened back in the day with DVDs and... uh, Uh, Region region coding. Exactly, with DVDs and Blu-rays. Do we still have region coding? um, To some degree, I think. Um, Do we still have that on PS4? I'm not sure. We have region coding in the sense that what region your game determines what kind of which marketplace you're supposed to buy the downloadable content from. Right. But that's about it. You can play an Asian DVD, Asian copy of a game on an American PlayStation using, I guess, your European okay. PlayStation. But with PS3, that was not possible. Yeah, that was not. Yeah, that wasn't. Same for Xbox. Yeah. Xbox 360, you couldn't do that either. Yeah, there was a PAL and DSC kind of situation. For me, the world is so small now. The world is so small now that how can you put those kinds of restrictions on things? I mean, how could you put... How could you say one country can get this, another country can't? I mean, come it's just on. it's just lawyers and fiefdoms, honestly. <laughs> like it, and I I mentioned lawyers already before, but I also mentioned fiefdoms in the yeah. sense that 
they want to be able to say this disc can only be playable by one company so that they can sell an exclusive license to another company for more money. That didn't go so well for Sony once upon a time. Yeah, exactly. It, right? did, not, it, it, it did not. Whether it, with their Betamax platform or their memory sticks. Mm-mm. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And also their PlayStation Vita cars. Like yep. Everything. That nobody this. else could read. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get that. So for me, I mean, my day job is advertising. And one of the things, like if we have like um, a, a contest or a promo online or even on TV or even in stores, the last thing you want to do is put up more barriers between the contestant or the public and what you're trying to sell them. So if you're going to do something like on Facebook, right, you're going to ask people to take a picture Upload the picture to our Facebook page or just tag us, right? We're not going to say, take your picture, fill up a form, submit it on our website. You know, we'll let you, we'll get back to you if it follows our rules and regulations. Yeah. And then we'll post it. No, you don't want to do that because people will get turned off. Yeah. I mean, like, I do have my problems with capitalism. They're not here. They're not here for me to talk about, but. Uh, it makes no sense f- if hyper-capitalism is to evolve the way it wants to for us to start putting things that create friction in the process of the transaction, mm. which is a bunch of fancy words saying, if you make it harder for people to give you money, they're going to not want to give you money. <laughs> or or they're going to find alternate ways to get their fix. Exactly. They're going to be torrenting. They're going to be file sharing. They're going to be downloading. They're going to be screen capping. They're going to be live streaming. Yeah, and the, great, and the great irony is that we, a lot of us people, uh, you know, in, in, in the developing countries like the Philippines, like we used less than legal means of acquiring entertainment to get around the fact that companies didn't want to deliver content. To Matthew us. was speaking in general. He did not actually admit to a crime. <laughs> <laughs> well, we would have less than legal ways of acquiring entertainment. And the reason that would that would flourish is we, it was hard for us to get the official entertainment from people. That's true. That's true. That's the entire premise behind and, the and, podcast, and, actually. And, and, we, and we stopped doing that when Netflix came in and the internet speeds went up to to make Netflix a viable option. And we're like, you know what? I could spend all day on virus-infested, malware, spyware-ridden websites looking for a, you know, a high-res copy of this movie, or I can just pay $5 and forget about Again, it. Again, Matthew is not admitting to any crimes. <laughs> He's speaking in I'm speaking general. Of, I'm speaking of my friends. Sure, sure, friends. Yeah, <laughs> let's go with that. Because, yeah, torrenting is bad, kids. Yeah, torrenting is not good. Not it also bad, opens your, your software to uh, many malicious forces. Yeah, sure, that too. Yeah. Um, okay, here's the thing. Something similar was observed with um, movie, movie, actual movie release dates. Sometimes we get movies here a day, a day or two, sometimes even a week before. That's right. Before North America. That is to combat precisely what I was talking about, to combat barriers. Because that, what that did was before you used to have to wait like two, three months, maybe even a year before a movie opens here versus opening in America or the UK, right? That only encouraged people on this side of the world to find, again, extra, extra legal means they would of find getting boot, their fix. Yeah, they would find bootlegs. Let's, let's, you know, let's right. call it what it is. They would look for bootlegs. Yeah. They would go to their… They would, they would talk to a cousin who lives in, in Houston or whatever and be all <laughs> like, you know what? Can you go to a Blockbuster video 
and tape that thing for me. Yeah, because it's because that. that movie's in home video already, mm-hmm. and it still hasn't released in theaters. Oh, here you're, you're 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 going ahead. You're 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 you don't even have to go that far. I mean, people would just take video cameras into. Cinemas, that's right. That's right. right. They would take video cams. To, you so know. before the movie even opens here in the third world, we've already seen it. Yeah. Right. Or and, you and, see a shitty third, and the picture quality, a shitty would... copy that sounds like somebody recorded in the toilet. But, but you know, um, the point is that was money out of the studio's pockets because of a system that they themselves set up. Because they didn't see us as a market. They Absolutely. Didn't see, they, they, it, it wasn't. It wasn't about morality. It wasn't about right. ethic. It was about looking at, at, at a distant archipelago and being like. Why would we want to sell to that market? Exactly. And then when they saw the the, the bootleg numbers, like, oh man, that's a market we're not selling to. Exactly. What? But now, if you have simultaneous releases with the third world, or even just um, just a couple of days off from the U.S. or from the West, uh, or you know, the developed world, you know, you have things like the Joker making two hundred fifty million pesos, and that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, bravo, Warner Brothers, seriously. But that is proof that people, to some extent, are willing to pay to get their fix. Yeah, They will pay to see it in the best possible way, but only if that way is made available to them. But if you're going to charge them for every single show or every single movie that they want to see... Or make just, it harder to get the content. Just because it's on a different platform. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and I think are you confirming this for me because this is a this is a theory I've had which Go. is which is that I always thought that that was exactly why we got movies like when Spider-Man 1 came out in the Philippines like nearly the day that it was supposed to come out yeah they in, do that to beat pirates yeah and they're, and they're like well these guys in Asia they speak English right so they can get our they can get our American copies you know, and, and and get the same experience. You know what I mean? And and so you're saying that that's a whole thing. Yeah, they do it because they know that the longer that they're not showing here, that's money out of their pocket. Mm-mm. Because people will find alternate ways. Mm-mm. And um, so I wanna I wanna now that we've I wouldn't say we dissed streaming, but we've been very critical of the model. Yeah, but we all know we're gonna end up watching anyway. Oh yeah, totally. But what I want to do now is I want to sort of like go and look down the list and see like what is what about these these streaming services like what they have to offer what's going on with them and i think the one that we're most that is giving the most buzz is disney plus right 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 well a couple of years over the last few years disney has been going on a buying spree they bought fox studios they bought lucasfilm and um, they basically were shoring up their resources exactly for this push. They want to have everything. They bought Marvel. They've got Star Wars. They've got you know their entire Disney animated library. And got most recently, shows. they picked up uh, a and, thing. And now they got Fox Studios. So they own The Simpsons and Avatar and all that stuff too. Predator, um, Aliens, all of it. Yeah, all it's so it. weird that Predator is now a Disney brand. I think at this point, we can say that... Uh, all of American popular culture and entertainment can be defined as belonging to Disney or not belonging to Disney. <laughs> kind of, sort of. 
So, yeah, I'm actually excited for some of the show, but I'm, I'm more excited now for some of the original content that they've announced. They've announced. Mm. Um, some of it is um, to do with Star Wars. Some of it is to do with Marvel. I, they've also have a couple of interesting looking documentaries. Um, there's one, I think it's a 12 episode series or something. It's about um, behind the scenes at a Disney theme park, which I am actually fascinated by because it's one of the things that I really, really love. I love yeah. theme parks. Yeah, so if I recall correctly, you go, you're, you're, you're a, whenever you're in the States, like visiting a theme park is number one on your list. Well, I, I'm not really there that often, but I really like theme parks. I just like um, Universal Studios tagline used to be ride the movies. Um, I have always, I've always taken their word, them at their word. I love being in an attraction in a situation where you can relive these moments. I mean, whether it's a video game or, or, or you know, the action figures I collect, I like being able to relive these moments from my favorite pop culture. So, yeah, and to say that Disney owns a hefty chunk of that is, <laughs> that's not exaggerating. But, uh, um, so Disney Plus, like, um, this is basically an attempt to cannibalize what they've been losing through Netflix. I don't know if it's cannibalized, but, you know, is it really cannibalizing if they're, they're taking well, like, everything back piece by piece? Yeah, well, actually, your description of them taking everything back piece by piece, I think, is an accurate description of what they're doing. They they used to give all the Star Wars movies and Star Wars yeah, animated yeah. series, I mean, in varying degrees, because uh, even though Star Wars The Clone Wars has been on Netflix forever, mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff that from Disney that was exclu- that was on Netflix. And as we talked about earlier, they were just leaving money on the table, letting Netflix have that. So, you know, they've been taking back. And it's been a quote-unquote struggle for them because some of those rights and some of those contracts that they have with Netflix and other streaming companies actually last far longer than I think they wanted them to be. Maybe, but I think it's more like they weren't making as much as they would have wanted off of them. I mean, I don't think they really cared who had the rights. to. They just, they just looked at it as like, you know, we're not getting enough out of this deal. And isn't the solution to that always like we'll make it in house? Mm-hmm, the solution, much. the solution to any corporation saying, "Well, we used to get, we used to give these guys a thing, and then we would collect money off of that." But what if we were also that guy? See, the thing is, <laughs> I mean, as we've established earlier, we are willing to give our money, but up to a point. I mean, and what what is that point that you can't give anymore, or that it's just not feasible, or it's not practical anymore? <laughs> Because, you know, one streaming service is one thing, but four, five, six? Come on, honestly. I think what's going to happen, actually, uh, is what's going to happen is I forgot about Apple. Apple's doing their thing, too. That's right. Apple TV. Apple TV Plus, or is it Apple TV? I think it's just Apple TV. I think Apple TV is the television set, and Apple TV Plus is the service. And um, they the, their launch, their announcement in September, I think, about it, yeah. uh, came with a lot of high-profile celebrities like mm-hmm. uh, promoting or talking about the work they're going to be right, doing there. Right. Uh, most notably, Steven Spielberg, which to me was one of the most curious presences at that conference, because he was the guy who said, I don't believe Netflix movies should be eligible for Academy Awards. Right. Does that uh, so he's like dissing his buddy Scorsese's movie, The Irishman? I and mean, what that that's not gonna be nominated? Uh yeah. And you know, and I'm like, and I okay, look, you know what? I get where Spielberg is coming from and anybody else who might share his sentiment because uh, these guys come from not just old cinema, but they come from the vanguard of cinema that really believed in the theatrical experience. They really believe in like, you know, 
like the the theaters are the whole theater studio system is what brought them a lot of their success. So for them to think about movies as movies as something you watch on your phone or on your or in a less than ideal sound system is is heresy to them. Okay, I have a couple of answers to that or responses to that. One is. What I love, I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, I love the cinematic experience. I love seeing something. You and me huge, both, buddy. I see some. I love. I love seeing a huge screen with the best sound in a comfortable seat. When the lights go down, for me, that's still there's still magic in that. But I admit, and I recognize that it's not economically feasible for everybody, or sometimes it's not even physically possible for everybody what i liked about streaming i mean i've been dissing it all this long all this while what i like about streaming is that um what i said earlier about democratization it brings movies to the masses it doesn't matter where you are you can be in new york you can be in the middle of the desert you can be you know here in manila mm. but you have a cost-effective way of seeing the same cinema the same movie that you know, someone on the other end of the planet is getting that you might not otherwise have. And you have a chance to discover, <clears throat> you have a chance to discover new titles um, that you might not otherwise have thought about checking out. That's what I loved about streaming initially. But now with all these different platforms, it's just going to serve to fragment people rather than bring them together. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, I think, I think what you're talking about, I, I think I understand it perfectly, which is that the, when... But um, just to be clear, I don't think that's any less valid than watching a film in the cinema. Watching it in the cinema, that's preferable. But if you can't, and this is the only way you can experience um, something that you otherwise wouldn't be able to access. Like, let's say you live in a small town with no theaters. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I was going to get at. Which I think what you were trying to talk about was how... Uh, Film distribution is not perfect. No, it's not. Like if you if, if remove Netflix, remove all those video streaming and video demand services out of the equation, you know all these films they have to deal with the fact that are they profitable in certain cinemas? Mm -hmm. Do do certain cinemas, you know, uh, cater a different audience? Like you said, there are some towns that will only have one theater and that theater will only be able to show like the most profitable films right. or the ones that are the most mass appealing films. Absolutely. And so, you know, you're not going to get like, you're not going to get some indie drama. You're not going to get some non-special effects driven mm -hmm. romantic comedy mm -hmm. in these theaters. And streaming is a way of saying, look, it doesn't matter what genre it is. It doesn't matter what the audience size for this kind of movie is. It doesn't matter, you know, which country you're in as long as the region permits it you get to have this experience. And so, like you said, it democratizes that. And that's something that I loved about the internet in general. I honestly think that um, things like that um, should be accessible. And we should be lessening the barriers instead of putting more up. Yeah. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, dividing what content there is um, across a whole bunch of different platforms is counterproductive to building an audience. Yeah, like you uh, reinforcing that thing that you were saying. It's like you, the whole the experience that that is being had right now through many people for many people around the world is they turn on a TV and a whole universe of cinema mm -hmm. that they had never before discovered right. is being dropped into their phones right. or their or their playstations or whatever. And what happens? When those things, when parts of that get lifted and put into different services, mm -hmm. it, it it makes it de de depreciates the cultural value of a service like 
of any one particular service. Right. And on that note, I'm going to agree with Scorsese and even Spielberg to a point. Cinema is used to tell stories that move you, that evoke an emotional response. I don't believe that your emotional response is dependent or should be dependent on the size of the screen you watch it on. Mm -hmm. I mean, no offense to anybody. I have my preferred way of watching. I know there are people who are just as happy watching on their phones. Mm-mm. And I can't hold that against them. Because yeah, because these are these are these are personal choices. Right. Like you can what what Scorsese and, and Spielberg are talking about is a very personal way of experiencing cinema. And it's a valid one. It's not one that necessarily erases other people's preferences. It's not one that mm-hmm. triumphs over it. Right. And you know, uh, if you you love the big screen and I think it's not just limited to different people. I think it's limit. It's also like inside of us. Like, right. uh, I prefer to watch on the big screen, but I, as someone with a finite budget, or yeah, with you a, can't afford to watch everything in the everything cinema. in the cinema, or you can't justify watching everything in the mm-hmm. cinema, or mm-hmm. you don't have time to watch everything in the cinema. I'll be right. like, all right, you know, I'm gonna like, let's say, I there were 22 Marvel movies. You know, I did watch all of them in the cinema, but. You know, I maybe watch eleven of them, and maybe a bunch of them that I don't deem as important. I'm just gonna catch on my phone or whatever, just to keep up with the whole like cultural conversation. Right, right. Yeah. Or it's the same with television shows as well. Sometimes I'm watching it on TV, and then other times I don't want to disturb my wife, so I'll put on <laughs> I'll put on my headphones and I'll right. just look at the phone you know, because I just want to get that fixed. Okay. Well, while we're on the topic, what are you personally looking for? Uh, looking looking forward to. Sorry. What are you looking forward to with the currently announced crop of streaming shows that are going to be coming up? Man, okay, so with what, can you enlighten me as to what Warner Media is offering in, in, in HBO Max, which sounds like a condom. I, I, they had this... I know they have a couple of documentaries coming up. They, they, they haven't really announced any specific shows. The only things that they've announced are an Adventure Time spinoff of four movies and more Sesame Street. Mm-mm. That's all they... I mean, that's all that I remember. But for the most part, they haven't announced any solid lineups yet they just said like we have a couple of documentaries with from some known names that you're really gonna love but mm-hmm. they haven't said who they are or what they're about all right well color me shallow like uh the marvel stuff is definitely of interest but the ones that i'm the one that i'm 100 interested in is the mandalorian which and i feel like that's not a controversial pick i think everybody right. who loves cinema and by you say I say love cinema in the sense that Star Wars is not just a geek genre but also a cinematic like tradition. Like they will be interested in in Mandalorian, in, right, 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 and continuing that stuff. And you know, with with this whole like unexplored territory of the Star Wars universe, that's interesting to me. Uh, it's about a bounty hunter. That's interesting to me. And the fact that Werner Herzog is in the movie in the series playing, I hear. The villain. Oh, okay. That's I'm cool. I'm just like, all right, you've got my attention. Legit, legit. And I think, I believe it's um, being run by... Um, John Favreau. John Favreau, right, right. Director of Iron Man, Iron Man 2. I see Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Jungle Book, uh, The Lion King. He's basically Disney's golden boy. To and, some Zathura. and Zathura. And <laughs> Zathura. Uh, there's your Dungeons and Dragons for you. But yeah, um, John Favreau uh, is a pretty solid choice. And I hear he's going old school with this one. Yeah. Uh, practical effects, models, as much as he can manage it. Um, he's mixing and matching with the CGI and the animatronics. So yeah, that should be interesting. And what are you interested in? Oh, wow. What am I looking forward to? Um, I heard that Spielberg and Tom Hanks are going to be producing um, 
the third in their World War II dramatizations. They did uh, Band of Brothers. I don't know if you remember. They did The Pacific after oh. that. It wasn't as well received. And the third one is still going to be set in World War II, but I'm not entirely sure what it's going to be about. But it should be good. I hope so. Actually, a lot of the stuff that's been announced um, looks downright fascinating. I mean, I mentioned those Disney documentaries earlier. Because yeah. I, I love stuff that goes um, behind the curtain, um, so to speak. Um, I, I, I really enjoy those. I believe that there is going to be something about an alternate space race. Except I don't remember who got that one. Yeah, I'm not sure who got that one. I heard about the show as well. Right. But you know, like I think I think we don't have enough time in the episode to talk about all of these shows. Uh, but definitely, we're looking at a lot of interesting content being created right there in the yeah. But the um, let us know what shows you'd want us to check out and what we should be discussing in the future. Maybe we can oh, cover yeah. it in another episode. Let us know on on our Facebook uh, Three Point Landing. All right. That's it. That, all right. That, that's all you got. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said God bless. <laughs> yeah. All right's fine then. In that case, yeah, you're you're okay with all right. Uh, I'm all right. I'm okay with all right. I'm fine with all right. Excellent with fine and excellent with okay. Okay with good and okay with fine. But seriously, how are we gonna pay for all these channels? I I can't. I really can't. Actually, I don't know if it just makes it into the. You know, what? I just want to say how we're gonna pay for these channels. You're we just, won't. You're just gonna pirate everything, aren't you? No, no. It's not even about piracy. What's gonna happen is people are gonna start buying services, uh, piece by piece in alternating periods. So, for example, I've let my Netflix subscription lapse before when I felt like, all right, I've got 30 days ahead of me. I've got a lot of video games to get through, and I have other work responsibilities. And then you just bring it back when it's yeah. relevant, when it's relevant to or you. not re- if it's if if a new show comes out that's super interesting, or I'm just like, you know what. I'm looking forward to two weeks of like not really doing anything. Yeah. So yeah. I think I can justify this. And so imagine that with like Disney Plus. Like with Disney Plus, uh, it's not launching here. But if Disney Plus comes out on November 15th with The Mandalorian, I'm just going to let like, I'm just going to cancel my Netflix, subscribe to <laughs> Disney, Disney Plus. Plus for about 30 days. And then if something comes up in those 30 days that justifies the next month, I'll do it again. Yeah. And so we're going to mix and match. So, you know, we'll customers can find a way around that. It's not going to be ideal. We shouldn't have to do that. Maybe, maybe. But that's going to be the situation I think some of us are going to find ourselves in. Maybe our internet service providers can do what, like, you know, what Sky Cable did or whatever. They can give us bundles or packages of um, platforms uh, based on your data, based on your data plan. Yeah. Like, pay for this much data, get, you know, HBO Max and Disney Plus. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, you're right. I think, well, you would know this better than I would. Disney Plus would probably just walk up to glow or smart and say like that's true yeah hey want to make a deal <laughs> yeah we don't have enough money for this <laughs> so much tv to watch though to say nothing of the video games i mean i know we're not talking about today but uh off topic there are seven thousand six hundred video games that were released in november in, in 2018 and you've played all of them no my point is is that that's how much content there is in this universe mm. <laughs> yeah fair enough okay and I think that's the real episode ending of this episode. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, that has been our conversation about the streaming wars. Uh, do let us know what shows you'd like us to talk about, uh, what you think about the future of streaming media, and you know, hit us up on Facebook. I'm Matthew. I'm Misha. And this has been Three Point Landing. Please tell us how we're going to pay for all of these things.
This will not end well. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. Okay, I know. Tanette said not to plan too much, right? But I just want to ask. To, like, there's a lot of meat to the topic, so that's I'm not gonna bother. Mm. I'm not gonna bother structuring that. Yeah, like, that's yeah, a fool's yeah. game. Yeah, but I just want to know, like, where are we going and talking about? I rubbed my eyes after eating those spicy Doritos. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> That's in the B-roll. Fuck you! It's in the fucking B-roll. Ah! <laughs> Ayan kasi. I'll be outside if anyone cares. <laughs> oh, I feel so much better. Doritos, fuck. Thanks for that precious bureau. God damn. Oh. oh man, that was a deep press I saw you go through. Nobody knows my suffering. We do, we're just, we know you're suffering. We're just not um, experiencing it. The pain, the pain. 